the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okay, we're going to start off with a breaking story on DHS. Here's a little snippet from The Intercept's article on this. Quote, the Department of Homeland Security plans to target inaccurate information on the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic, the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, racial justice, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine. End quote. We're going to go over that one in full detail, I promise. It is a huge story. Number two, Elon Musk now owns Twitter, and he is not only ending the censorship that was going on there by removing access to be able to do the censorship from some of the employees at Twitter who were abusing the ability, but he's also releasing messages between the previous tech leaders and the FBI to show and expose their coordination. This has been fascinating to see their internal communication. And number three, now the tyrannical totalitarian, pandemic-obsessed left is asking not just for forgiveness, but amnesty. That's a bold move, Cotton. The answer is no. The answer is no amnesty for tyrants. Let's get started. Okay, before we get into the first topic, if you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, and the Second Amendment, and they are winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join the movement now. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. Patriotmobile.com slash Morgan. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Thanks, guys. Okay, before we get into the big three topics of the day, I want to share with you a quick video that I saw is going viral right now of this guy named Charlie. He's the Democrat that's running against Ron DeSantis in Florida for governor. Oof, I would not want to be this guy. Now, this video is going viral, and I just want to share it with you, and then then we'll talk about it. Hopefully it's behind us, but as Florida's governor, would you be open to mandating or regulating masks? I would be open to doing what scientists advise. <laughs> I just read an article this morning. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so I'm going to the airport right after this and going to Orlando. And I'm going to wear a mask on the plane. You don't have to anymore, but I'm going to because Florida is experiencing an uptick that began this week. And it's not even the Omicron B2. It's a new variant. So uh, it's a very uh, poignant question. Thanks. Imagine running against Ron DeSantis, the best governor in the country, and thinking the smart thing to do 
is to double down on things like mask mandates. Now, I've got to say, at first I was just laughing so hard. I was like, we've got to look at the Ron DeSantis expense report for his campaign because it feels like at this point he's probably paying this Charlie guy to run against him just to help him win the election. I mean, really, thanks for the endorsement. This has been really, really exciting to see because we're seeing the ultimate left go against the ultimate right in terms of two styles of candidates, two sides of the aisle. I will stand with Ron DeSantis any day of the week, especially against somebody who is clearly in favor of the practices that were proven to not have worked. I definitely don't want another politician to get power who says, well, we got to trust the experts. We've learned that the experts don't know what they're talking about or the experts are paid by people who are trying to make money and get more power over us. So Thank you for, I guess, being honest. That's the other aspect here. It's like, you know what? At least this Charlie guy is being honest, saying that he will double down on the vaccine stuff. He will double down on the mask stuff. I'd rather just hear him say that he's interested in doing this kind of stuff instead of saying, oh, I would never. And then winning an election and then revealing himself to have been a liar that would eventually support COVID restrictions again. You know, at least he's being honest. You know, it's kind of nice to see. I I guess I'd rather have that, but he is going to get demolished, hopefully. So please show up, you guys. This is your reminder. I I don't want to make all the episodes about the midterms, but please, this is your reminder that next week, next Tuesday, November 8th is Election Day. Please. I mean, I'm not going to ask you guys to vote. I mean, come on. If I need to ask you guys to vote, then we got a problem here. You need to be bringing people to the polls. You, if you're listening to this, need to be making sure that the people in your lives who maybe are a little apprehensive to show up because it's just not something they've ever really done. A very small percentage of Americans actually show up to vote, especially in the midterms. If you know these people in your life, you yourself can make a difference. I say this every time in every episode. I have seen too many elections in my lifetime, my short lifetime. I'm almost 26 years old. My birthday's the day after Christmas. Woo! Um, I'm going to go skiing. I have seen too many (laughs) elections that have been lost by one, two, or three votes. I kid you not. And elections have consequences, especially in this era of American politics where one side supports protecting your ability to keep your business open, to educate your children, to keep choice in your life instead of force. And they say that, you know, you're not forced, but you're just not going to be able to go to work if you don't do X, Y, Z, if you don't comply. We are in a situation of candidates who favor choice versus force. And don't even get me started on the pro-choice language manipulation that the abortion movement is all about. That's a different topic. In general, we are for choice in all aspects of your life. That is true freedom when you can make a choice. And the left believes in forcing you to make a certain decision. And, you know, not with violent force, but they certainly make it difficult to choose anything other than their option that they want you to go with. So your elections at the local, state, and federal level all have serious consequences. Do you want the person representing you at all levels of government to be on the side of the left that has shut down our country for years and is now asking for amnesty? And we'll get into that in a little bit. Please show up and make sure that the people in your lives show up with you and have a plan and know their importance in this day. It's the least we could do. Okay. Now let's get on into a fun podcast episode. I This is a who. They're all kind of similar topics, and we are going to start with the censorship itself. I want to start off with this post that really puts things into perspective and gets you, it gets you into the mindset of like, whoa, 
How are we going to continue in this way in a sustainable fashion? It's impossible. I'm a big believer in the fact that how we are behaving as a nation, as people in our culture right now, politically and culturally, it's unsustainable. The way we push out media is also unsustainable. So I saw this tweet from Kyle Becker. It'll get you in a good mindset as we enter this censorship episode. He said, if you're a mainstream media journalist, kindly state if you have pushed for any of the following hoaxes. Because if you have, this is about the time you drop your ridiculous campaign to censor your fellow Americans over misinformation. And then he lists all of the different media hoaxes by the mainstream media that have been huge flurries of mainstream media coverage and then turned out to actually be completely false. It was a scam. All of them were scams. But it's the same side pushing this information out that's the wrong information that plays on our fear, that plays on divisiveness. These are the same people that say they need to censor us for trying to counter their narrative. We are trying to bring an opposing viewpoint to their narrative, and we are told that we need to be shut down. You had things like the Hunter Biden laptop that it's now proven to be true, but as I'll mention in the later part of this episode, that would have had, if we were able to cover it properly, that would have changed enough people's votes in the 2020 presidential election to flip the election for Donald Trump. The polls now show this. But mainstream media, and now it's proven that the coordination between the mainstream media, the big tech companies, and aspects of our federal government all worked together to shut down the story and convince the American people to lie to them that it was Russian propaganda. That was a coordinated effort between big tech, mainstream media corporations, and actors in our government like the FBI, all working together to spread a lie that impacted the result of an election. And now the polls show had people known they would not have voted for Biden or they at least wouldn't have shown up or they would have flipped to Trump. And enough would have happened in that fashion that the election would have gone to Donald Trump. That's just one example. So back to Kyle's tweet. He said, here are the things. How many recent mainstream media hoaxes did you fall for? Russian collusion. Trump called the neo-Nazis fine people. Jesse Smollett, whatever Smollett, I don't know. Bubba Wallace garage poll. Remember that one? The Covington kids, Governor Whitmer kidnapping plot, Kavanaugh rape, Trump pee tape, COVID lab leak that was a conspiracy theory, border agents whipping migrants, Trump saved nuclear secrets at Mar-a-Lago, steel dossier, Russian bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan, Trump said drinking bleach would fight COVID. Muslim travel ban, Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, Andrew Cuomo was the best COVID leadership, Trump built cages for migrant kids, austere religious scholar, Trump overfed koi fish in Japan, Build Back Better will pay for itself, Trump tax cuts benefited only the rich, cloth masks prevent COVID, if you get vaccinated, you won't catch COVID, an SUV killed parade marchers, not the guy driving it, Trump used tear gas to clear a crowd for a Bible photo, don't say gay was in a bill in Florida, Putin price hike, ivermectin is a horse dewormer and not for humans, mostly peaceful protests, Trump overpowered Secret Service for the Wheel of the Beast on January 6th, 
Officer Sicknick was murdered by protesters. January 6 was an insurrection. Trump mocked a reporter's disability. BYU students hurled racist insults at a Duke volleyball player. And these are just a few, you guys, of the examples of story after story. They report things as if they're truth, and then they just have to wait a few weeks. And guess what? They can stop covering it, but then we find out that it was a whole lie. How many more stories do we have to go through as people before we stop being sheeple? How many more stories do we have to fall for? You guys, this is embarrassing. I was eating breakfast this morning and I was looking at the television um, because I'm up at my parents' place and they have a little TV in the kitchen area, right? And so it's playing in the background and I usually try to avoid the politics in the morning because I get all feisty, right? But I'm watching it and it's a playback of Obama campaign stumping for a bunch of candidates across the country in the midterms. Now, so you guys know this, usually when a president is popular, they send out the president who uh, isn't running for re-election in the midterms to go stump, which is to go speak at events and fundraise and stuff across the country for the candidates that need the help. But Joe Biden is not necessarily someone you want to campaign with. He's not a popular guy. And so the Democrats had to bring back President Barack Obama to be a part of the campaigning instead of Joe Biden. So Obama's been going around the country campaigning. And Obama, I'm listening to his talking points, and he's just going one after another of saying the dumbest stuff that we are better than. Okay, we're better than this to fall for this crap. The crowd is all excited for him. And he's saying stuff as simple as this. The crime in this country, Republicans say they're worried about crime, but they want to support more guns on the streets. <laughs> and the crowd's like, whoa, whoa, yeah, this is crazy. And it's like, if you, if you as an American are able to fall for something as stupid, as baseless as that statement, then you have a serious problem and you need to do better. Okay? Our founders thought that the American people, our republic, would be so valuable to the citizens that they would never, ever take it for granted. They would never let it slip through their fingers, and they would certainly never take knowledge and their freedom for granted in such a way that they fall for stupid campaign stump talking points like that. If you know anything, you know that the increase in crime has nothing to do with the amount of guns on the streets that Republicans are trying to talk about. Republicans are talking about protecting the Second Amendment, ensuring that we are not having a constitutional right removed from us, whereas the crime that we're seeing in the inner cities is often with guns that are not even on the legal market and has to do a lot more with cashless bail and letting people out the day after they commit the crime and a ton of other actual criminal justice policies and issues with law enforcement and the actual training. You could go on and on about how this is such a, a detailed issue that needs serious solutions. But President Barack Obama gets on stage and says something as simple as this a week out from the election, and the crowd eats it up and the people fall for it. It's an embarrassment. Needless to say, this kind of censorship from the left and the media and this kind of distortion of fact, as simple as what Barack Obama was saying in the example that I gave you, it's disturbing now. It's frustrating as all get out. And it's now a bigger issue because we're seeing the coordination of big tech, the tech companies, 
the mainstream media companies covering the news, and the politicians and faceless bureaucrats of the federal government working in coordination to shut down anything that opposes their narrative. That's right, people. We have a breaking story. This is in The Intercept. It's called Truth Cops. Leaked documents outline DHS's plans to police disinformation. It's by Ken Klippenstein and Lee Fang. I'm going to read it for you. Here we go. The Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech it considers dangerous, an investigation by The Intercept found. Years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents obtained via leaks and an ongoing lawsuit, as well as public documents, illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. The work, much of which remains unknown to the American public, came into clearer view earlier this year when DHS announced a new, quote, disinformation governance board, a panel designed to police misinformation, which is false information spread unintentionally, and disinformation, which is false information spread intentionally, along with malinformation, which is factual information shared, typically out of context, with harmful intent, that allegedly threatens U.S. interests. While the board was widely ridiculed, immediately scaled back, and then shut down within a few months because of the public outrage, of course, other initiatives are underway as DHS pivots to monitoring social media now that its original mandate, the war on terror, has been wound down. So that's a big point here. We're pulling out of the Middle East and our operations, oh, we got to focus our our goals somewhere else. You have the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, who has said before that her biggest concern for the future of the country is the threat to American democracy. And what does she mean by that? She means that the people posing that threat are the Republicans, conservatives, and people on the right who are a threat, domestic threats. The vice president of the United States said this. So, of course, they're going to weaponize the government power against us if they see us as more problematic than any other international force. This is also a good reminder, you guys. We talked about this. If you search my name and like DHS or disinformation governance board and stuff, you'll probably find older episodes when we were talking about this news when it first broke. But I had said, yeah, they're going to make a big deal of, oh, we're actually shutting the board down. We got a lot of public backlash. You guys clearly aren't happy with it. We're going to end this effort. Don't worry, you guys won. And so a lot of conservatives were like, yeah, we shut it down. Woo. But that's not how government works. That's not how people work. Our our human nature is going to lead us to being deceitful. And what our government is doing is avoiding transparency, avoiding accountability. And yeah, maybe they dissolved the disinformation governments board, but that doesn't mean they're stopping their efforts. They've just decided to kind of bring it behind the curtain. And that's even more dangerous. So you know, we you win some, you lose some, I guess. But back to the article. Behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try to shape online discourse. According to meeting minutes and other records app- appended to a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, a Republican who is also running for Senate, discussions have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false and intentionally misleading information. Platforms have got to get comfortable with government, quote. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain, said Microsoft executive Matt Masterson, a former DHS official, who texted this to Jen Easterly, a DHS director, in February. So you have a Microsoft executive who used to work at DHS, now he works in big tech, 
And he's texting somebody from the DHS saying that social media platforms, big tech platforms, have to get comfortable with more government. Disturbing. In a March meeting, Laura Demlo, an FBI official, warned that the threat of subversive information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. Yo, yeah. Huh. Demlo, according to the notes of the discussion attended by senior executives from Twitter and J.P. Morgan Chase, stressed that we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. Quote, we do not coordinate with other entities when making content moderation decisions, and we independently evaluate content in line with the Twitter rules, said a spokesperson for Twitter in a statement to The Intercept. There is also a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook. What? Wait a second. Okay, this is crazy. Quote, there is also a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled or suppressed through a special Facebook portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. What? At the time of writing, the, quote, content request system at Facebook is still live. DHS and Meta, the parent company of Facebook, did not respond to a request for comment. The FBI declined to comment. Holy moly. So big tech made a special platform that can only be used with a login of a government email where government people can go in and specially request for posts to be taken down. Now, you guys, so I can personally attest to how frustrating this is. I just for a little transparency here, I have different things, right? So I I run my nonprofit, which is my um, Young Americans Against Socialism. We try and interview as many survivors from communist countries, socialist countries as possible, make educational content. I also have this podcast. I have my Zegers Freedom Flags workshop. I just like projects and and being diverse and that kind of stuff. So not liberal diverse. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that I do like as a super side project are these little Facebook videos because Facebook monetizing is super fun. Like I just do a little selfie video, kind of like this commentary, but just in shorter form, like a three minute selfie video on each topic. And then I post the little video of the topic that I was talking about. So maybe it's like something crazy that Jen Psaki said when she was uh, press secretary for the president. I would do a little selfie video talking about why I disagreed, what's wrong with this, why she's lying, the information that we have about it. And then I would say, here's the original video here. You can watch this. And so I do this. I do a ton every week. And it's actually been a really great way to grow my page. I've had a really fun time doing it. But now my page keeps getting struck down and my page is like limited now uh, because it's considered a page that shares too much misinformation. And what ended up happening is all of my Hunter Biden laptop videos got struck down for sharing misinformation. But later this was discovered to be fact and it was reported by The New York Times that the laptop does exist. Most recently, I posted the video, for example, of Kamala Harris when she's talking about the hurricane down in Florida, and she's saying we've really got to concentrate efforts based on communities of color because they are most affected when a hurricane hits in that region. And I shared that, and I said, to bring this up, when we're talking about people that lost their lives, lost their homes, lost everything in their community, it doesn't matter what color you are. We should be focused 
on helping as many people as possible, helping everybody that was hurt. I don't care what color you are. We need to get you your home back. We need to get your life back on track. That's the kind of stuff that should be spoken by the national leaders in our country when a hurricane hits. We shouldn't immediately go to talking about race. So I share that and I say, look at what she just said. How divisive, how unfortunate. And what do you know? I got a strike on my account for sharing misinformation because they said that Kamala never said that. But I put the video of her saying that in my video. And so because I did, you know, I could give you multiple more examples, but because I had so many of those examples and I have, you know, upset the overlords enough, now my page is just in general struck down as a page that shares misinformation. And I violated it too many times. And now my engagement my notice is that my engagement is like fully limited to a certain extent. I can't reach all the people that I used to, but there's no details beyond that. So they don't tell you what you can do to fix it. They don't tell you how long you're going to be punished. They don't tell you what percentage you're actually like able to be reaching. It's just a significant drop and there's no transparency. And so now to see this kind of coordination between government officials And the big tech platforms, it's disturbing because this is the kind of stuff where we have the videos of them talking on it, you know? Like, you guys know me. I'm not trying to share misinformation. I'm trying to call out BS when I see it, though. And unfortunately, that gets you removed from these platforms. This is really, really frustrating. And I can, like, Owen and I struggle with it every day. We talk with each other almost every day about, like, hey, what's going on with the page this time? What did they say was misinformation? Is there a way we could talk about it without getting censored? Is there a way we can, you know, hint at what we're trying to say without uh, being caught by the algorithm? Or is it real people that are reviewing it and they just strike it no matter what? Because they're able to track you guys like the graphics on the video. They can see the text that you put on the video. The algorithm can sense what you're putting in the caption. They can sense what you're saying in the video and that can get struck down in that way. But then there's also humans that are watching it and able to be like, eh, we want to take this video down. So there's just so much happening. So when you see a conservative commentator online It's just not the same for us to be able to communicate our values and our talking points, our views on things in the way that a liberal or a leftist would be able to communicate. We have to go through how many hoops just to say our basic political points. It's very frustrating. All right, before we get back to the article, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through Christmas, December 25th, will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The bed sheets are marked down to as low as $29.98, and believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these, you guys. I use them down in Texas in my home. I use the towels, the slippers. I love them all. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton. It comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing at $89.98, but now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. There is a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square, and use promo code MORGAN. Thanks, guys. Okay, back to the article. It says DHS's mission to fight disinformation stemming from concerns around Russian influence in the 2016 presidential campaign began taking shape during the 2020 election and over efforts to shape discussions around vaccine policy during the coronavirus pandemic. Documents collected by The Intercept from a variety of sources, including current officials and publicly available reports, reveal the evolution of more active measures by DHS. 
According to a draft copy of DHS's Quadrennial Homeland Security Review, DHS's capstone report outlining the department's strategy and priorities in the coming years, the department plans to target inaccurate information on a wide range of topics, including the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic, the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, racial justice, and U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Oh, and of course, the nature of U.S. support for Ukraine. It says, quote, the challenge is particularly acute in these marginalized communities, says the report, which are often the targets of false or misleading information, such as false information on voting procedures targeting people of color. What? The inclusion of the 2021 U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan is particularly noteworthy, given that House Republicans, should they take the majority of the midterms in the midterms, have vowed to investigate it. Thank God. This makes Benghazi look like a much smaller issue, said Rep. Mike Johnson, a member of the House Armed Services Committee, adding that finding answers will be a top priority. Bless them. I hope that they do. Um, How disinformation is defined by the government has not been clearly articulated, and the inherently subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for DHS officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech. Now, you guys, this is a much longer article with full details on other things exposed and what the DHS is doing. But I just wanted to give you a little taste and I want you to go check the whole article out if you're interested. It's called Truth Cops Leaked Documents Outline DHS's Plans to Police Disinformation. It's by The Intercept, Ken Klippenstein and Lee Fang. So please go check that out. We got to move on to the next thing. So as you guys know, Elon Musk bought Twitter. We're seeing a lot of major changes. The first thing is the fact that uh, we're already seeing an announcement. This was covered by Bloomberg, um, where Twitter is now restricting employees who used to have access to like censorship tools on the back end. They are now being removed from having those abilities. And this is all leading up to the midterms. So there's a tweet from Benny Johnson kind of explaining it. He says, Twitter has frozen some employee access to internal tools used for content moderation and other policy enforcement, curbing the staff's ability to clamp down on misinformation ahead of the midterms. So that's been a really exciting change. But here's just a stark reminder on how the left operates. I've talked to you guys before about how in my vision of what's happening with the rise of the radical left and what's happened before in other countries. I see communism as, of course, that end that is always achieved. So I describe the end goal of communism as only really being attainable if you have the three pillars that lead to it. Uh, The main one is socialism. So this huge pillar that I would consider as the main step to communism is socialism. It's when you can get that economic control of the country, of the people. And when you become the only provider, the only maker provider of important things in a society that help people survive from day to day, then you can pretty much do whatever the heck you want. And that's what socialism is. It's when the government owns and controls the means of production in in one or a few or many industries in that nation. It's very, very bad. Yes, it leads to terrible economic results, but the really important thing you have to keep in mind here is that it leads to control. This is about control, and having economic and financial control over the people is a very, very serious thing that's basically required to achieve communism. Socialism is an economic step. It's not the same thing as communism. But the other two that I think are often overlooked are authoritarianism, which put simply is the idea that government should use force, not choice, to achieve their politically 
desired ends. So they use force. And then totalitarianism is when you eliminate anybody that disagrees with you, anybody that stands in your way. You are the only thing that is righteous and true. If you are empowered, the regime will control thought, speech, anything. And if you commit wrong thing, you will be shouted down, removed from the public square, and even removed from society. They will remove you from existence if they need to, or they will at least remove your ability to speak and oppose them. So here's a really good example of totalitarianism. And we see totalitarianism quite a lot on college campuses where they cannot stand having a conservative speaker even there on campus. They call it politically violent speech just to say things like, oh, biological men and women are different. They consider that to be political violence, speeches violence to them against trans people. And so that's a way that they shout you down. They, they say that you're committing wrong think and that you cannot physically be on campus because they aren't safe. So there's this guy named Dean. There's my dog. There's this guy named Dean Abidala. Obidala, sorry, um, but he is considered a liberal is how he would describe himself. But this is what he tweeted. Now, keep in mind, what are the values of the West? This idea of liberalism, the enlightenment, the idea that people should be free, they should have rights, they shouldn't be oppressed by a higher power, a government higher power. That's what liberal used to mean. It used to mean a, an appreciation for freedom versus the monarchies, the dictatorships, the colonization, the empires of the past. It used to be the ideas of like America and the West and being able to live in freedom. But here's Dean who describes himself as a liberal in modern day. He says, as a lawyer, I'm going to do research to see if Elon Musk in any way lied on his application for U.S. citizenship. I'll be making a FOIA request for his immigration application. If he lied anywhere on the application, we will move to strip him of U.S. citizenship. Stay tuned. Just so everyone knows the facts, while I did make a FOIA request for Elon Musk's immigration application, he has to consent to the request before I can get the docs. If he consents, I will share the file. If he refuses to consent, then we must ask, what is Elon hiding? Listen, Dean, the guy bought a company and you don't like that. Now your side doesn't control a major public square for political discourse, and you are so horrified by that concept that you are trying to find issues with a man's citizenship and get him removed from your country. Do you see what you're doing here? That is totalitarianism. They're like, you know what we could do? Let's try and see if there was a mistake on his paperwork and let's get him kicked out of the country just because we don't like that he bought Twitter. That is totalitarianism that we're seeing these days. And I always say, too, it's like, you know what? It's kind of like the other language manipulation that we see. What we see on college campuses, what we see on social media and in our culture today is not cancel culture where we just, you know, shout people down and they have to be off Twitter for a few days and then they can come back, but they're shamed because they said some wrong joke or whatever. No, it's straight up totalitarianism. And when we call things what they really are instead of fluffy words like cancel culture, then we really understand the seriousness, the gravity of what we are up against. But that's what we're seeing with Twitter. And now. Last but not least, the story everyone is also talking about. We have two major things out this week. The Atlantic. Emily Oster just posted one of the worst things I have seen this year in years. It's called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. No thanks. So when I first saw this, I mean, everybody's been 
talking about it quite a lot. But when I I first saw this, I saw a post and it was it was like when the people who smeared you and called you a grandma killer for the last three years asked to be forgiven. I replied and I posted that and I said, yeah, it's going to be a no for me. Hashtag no amnesty for tyrants. These people made women give birth alone in the hospital rooms. They made people die alone in the hospital rooms. They said that maybe we need to mock the deaths of people who die from COVID who didn't get vaccinated. It might be gruesome, but it's worth it for the political end. These are disgusting things that happened over the years. On top of the economic implications, on the lives and businesses destroyed. There are so many things we could talk about, but now they want amnesty. It's because I think the the information is becoming quite clear that one side was very, very, very wrong. Let's get into the article. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. Oh, great. See, I also, I am a huge believer that we have indoctrinated children to see the role of government as, like, acceptable in terms of the authoritarianism used, the force and the mandates and the the statements that you must do this now. Listen, kids, that's not the role of government, and now we've made a bunch of people who see that that way, and it's very dangerous. We've made a bunch of little sheeple. Who knows what they're going to do when we grow up? But these precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyways. But the thing is, we didn't know. I have been reflecting on this lack of knowledge thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown University on COVID. We spent several lectures reliving the first year of the pandemic, discussing that many the many important choices we had to make under conditions of tremendous uncertainty. Some of these choices turned out better than others. To take an example, close to my own work, there's an emerging, if not universal, consensus that schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. Oh, I had no idea. The health risks. <laughs> I can't. The fact that they think that this is a profound discovery. We've been saying this from the start, people. You are the ones that are slow to catch up. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low. When they Okay, we had said that, and they said we were putting teachers' lives at risk. It was the teachers, it was the administrators, it was the adults that were scared to go around children and properly teach them and do their job. Where everybody else had to go back to work and do their job, the teachers wouldn't. The teachers' unions are the most to blame, though. It says the health risks of in-school spread were relatively low, whereas the costs to students' well-being and educational progress were high. The latest figures on learning loss are alarming. No crap. I almost said a bad word. (laughs) But in the spring and summer 2020, we had only glimmers of information. No, ma'am. We knew everything we needed to know about child development and the risks that COVID was causing to people who were young and healthy and pretty much anybody but the obese and the elderly. But you refuse the information, ma'am. <laughs> Reasonable people. I can't get through this. I'm so frustrated. Reasonable people who cared about children and teachers advocated on both sides of the reopening debate. Nope, common sense people said we need to get the children back in school immediately. And the people that were selfish and politically driven fear-driven, said, no, 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 the children must lose this one. Another example, when the vaccine... (laughs) I 
I truly can't. I think I'm going crazy from the, the last few years of COVID of having to deal with this. And then to see this article is like such a slap in the face to so many. But you know what? Whatever. Another example, when the vaccines came out, we lacked definitive data on the relative efficacies of the Johnson & Johnson shot versus the mRNA options from Pfizer and Moderna. The mRNA vaccines have won out. But at the time, many people in public health were either neutral or expressed a J&J preference. This misstep wasn't nefarious. It was the result of uncertainty. Listen, if you're uncertain about something like a vaccine, then maybe you shouldn't force it into people's bodies in the first place. But what do I know? Obviously, some people intended to mislead and made wildly irresponsible claims. Remember when the public health community had to spend a lot of time and resources urging Americans not to inject themselves with bleach? That was bad. Misinformation was and remains a huge problem. But most errors were made by people who were working in earnest for the good of society. You guys, when President Trump said the bleach thing, the mainstream media turned it into this concept that all the crazy old Republicans out in America were now going to inject themselves with bleach. And once again, a whole entire thing was spun up and it was just a scam. And now they can say this. Well, we had to be we had to be putting out this information because people were doing bad things like injecting themselves with bleach. This is why it's so frustrating to try and side with them and try and give them amnesty or whatever. It's like because you're still lying. All right, moving on. Given the amount of uncertainty, almost every position was taken on every topic. And on every topic, someone was eventually proved right and someone else was proved wrong. Yeah, you guys were wrong pretty much the whole time. In some instances, the right people were right for the wrong reasons. What does that even mean? In other instances, they had a prescient understanding of the available information. The people who got it right for whatever reason may want to gloat. Those who got it wrong, for whatever reason, may feel defensive and, in, and retrench into a position that doesn't accord with the facts. All of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and drive the culture wars, especially on the Internet. These discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. I'm sorry, but you guys ruined the country, took away our our most basic freedoms, ruined our businesses, destroyed our child's development, and then called us grandma killers on top of all of it and said that we were evil and murderous. So you forced things into us. You took away whatever you needed to take away to try and get us to comply with your unscientific mandates. And now you're asking for forgiveness, saying, well, we made some guesses because you had to. Some of us were right. Some of us were wrong. Don't be defensive. It's so frustrating. In the face of so much uncertainty, getting something right had a hefty element of luck. Nope, we were just rooted in basic science and the ability to understand human behavior, child development. And similarly, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Yes, it was. Treating pandemic choices as a scorecard in which someone racked up more points than others is preventing us from moving forward. We have to put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge. Los Angeles County closed its beaches in summer 2020. Ex post facto, this makes no more sense than my family's masked hiking trips. Yeah, remember when they sent the police after the lone guy surfing out in the water? You guys are disgusting tyrants. <sighs> 
But we need to learn from our mistakes and let them go. We need to forgive the attacks too because I thought schools should reopen and argued that kids as a group were not a high risk. I was called a teacher killer and a genocidaire. It wasn't pleasant, but my feelings were high. And I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash that time for the rest of my days. Moving on is crucial now because the pandemic created many problems that we still need to solve. <laughs> I can't. Oh my gosh. Okay. If you guys want to watch or read the rest of this, it's at The Atlantic. It's called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. Um, I think they're doing this because I, I feel like they should be charged with crimes for the most part. And that's a whole other topic. But bottom line is no amnesty for the tyrants. Still one of my favorite quotes that happened like in 2020. I, I still follow this guy. I can't remember his Instagram page though. But he said something along the lines of like, we live amongst tyrants. Our neighbors are tyrants. The people in our lives all around us that don't stand up for us when we are shouting basic science, the people that were okay with us being fired when we used to work next to them every single day of our lives, they're okay with us being removed from the workplace for something like this. All of them behaved in a disgusting manner. All of them stood against American Western values that instill freedom in a society. They embraced archaic, dangerous ideas that humans throughout history have always fallen into. And for a long time in America, we thought, you know what, maybe we've got something really special here. Maybe we're exceptional. Maybe we're different. The bottom line is the people, people will always be the same. People will always, always have their flaws and lean into their more animalistic tendencies. And fortunately, our structure of government prevents an immediate overhaul of the system, an immediate dangerous takeover. But wow, they are so, so powerful in our institutions and in our government and our major corporations these days that our nation is really struggling now. Because people that don't have values rooted in America's founding that are truly exceptional are now way too powerful in this country. They did this to us. They deserve criminal sentencing. And they are now asking for amnesty. And I'm not interested in giving it to them. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I'll end things now. I'm going to go hang out with my dogs. I hope you guys have a nice rest of the week. I'll see you on Friday. Bye-bye. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.